Welcome back to another episode of the Paycast. So today I'm with uh, James Sabolski, who is the NHL 20 play-by-play. Uh, thank you for coming on today's uh, Paycast. My so, pleasure, Michael. Uh, before we get to the questions, how are you doing today? I'm amazing. I, my hands are insanely dry from washing them way too much these days, and I keep forgetting to moisturize. So I've been really good with hand washing and really bad with moisturizing. Does that make any sense? Yes, because I actually have the same problem. Yeah, but you're younger than me, so I feel like you're probably your skin's probably in better shape than mine is now. I think I'm looking like I'm like a tails from the crypt. I think these hands look like. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I have to say that I do have some dry spots on my skin. It's not doing uh, too well. Okay, so we're both in it together then. Yes, we are. Uh, right. The first question I got is, uh, what made you want to go into sports journalism? You know, for me, I think I was just always a big sports fan. Uh, you know, I think it came from a, from a passion. And that's where, for me, I think I recognized I was probably a lousy athlete, loved to talk, and found a way to kind of maximize both to where I could, uh, could talk, which I certainly did a lot of, according to uh, family and friends over the years. And... You know, in addition to that, just always had a passion for sports. I mean, I loved reading the sports section. I loved watching the highlights, uh, you know, all those, you know, just looking at certain broadcasters and wanting to emulate them when I was younger. And so always had that passion. It was more of a dream to want to call game seven of the Stanley Cup as opposed to, you know, playing in it, I think that was probably, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I lived that a million times in street hockey over the years as a kid. Um, but that was, yeah, I think it was something I was always kind of into. And I felt like that was something I wanted to do from an early age. So was there someone that uh, influenced you in your life to uh, become a broadcaster? Oh, I think probably, you know, it was uh, various names. I think for me, it was, uh, I was always a big fan of Bob Costas. I think I was a big fan of um, was a big fan of Bob Costas, Ron McLean, you know, who it's funny, Ron is a colleague now, and Ron was somebody I, I certainly looked up to for a long time as well. And you know, it's for for the longest time I would still kind of, oh my God, I'm talking to Ron McLean and thinking, wait, I gotta work with the guy. Um, so Ron and, and Bob were two guys I really admired um, as you know, and it's funny, like I was an old wrestling fan as a kid and Mean Gene Oakland was somebody I, I watched and thought I, I like Mean Gene. <laughs> so there's that sort of quirky element as well that, you know, the different types of broadcasters that I liked. And obviously Bob Cole from a play-by-play standpoint was somebody I liked a lot. Um, yeah, just a lot of different names over the years that, that come to mind. You know, Vince Cellini on CNN, uh, who I think is still at the Golf Channel nowadays. I mean, I was a, or even NBA TV as well. And Vince Cellini, I was a huge fan of for a long time. You know, Brian Smith was a local sportscaster in Ottawa. I grew up watching. And then just some of the network affiliate guys, you know, we used to get for American programming or networks as a kid growing up in the East. We used to get... Um, we used to get Rochester, New York affiliates, and there was a guy, Rich Funky. What a cool name, right? Rich Funky yeah. was, a, was, a, was a sportscaster, and I was, I was a little kid, and just, man, this guy just seems like he's cool. He knows what's up, right? And just that sort of, you know, guy who just kind of had an air of confidence, almost like a swag, if you will, long before it was called swag in those days. And certain broadcasters that I, I liked. I was a big Michael Landsberg fan. 
you know, when, yeah. when Michael first started appearing, I loved his delivery. He was just so smooth and, um, you know, to, to later work with Michael and, you know, Brian Williams as well. And, you know, certain approaches and, and then listening to certain talk show hosts over the years as well, that, you know, individuals, you just kind of wanted to borrow and take and, you know, tweak and kind of customize into your own sort of style. So uh, probably too many to name them all, but I think I just rattled off about a dozen for you there. Well, that's good that you have a bunch of those names that you looked up to and wanted to emulate. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was it. Like it was just, you know, to kind of along the way to, to have that opportunity to, to uh, yeah, to kind of, to, to have that opportunity to just, to be a passionate sports fan and see certain broadcasters, you know, I was an Expos fan as a kid. I mean, listening to Expos games on the radio with Dave Van Horn, where, you know, games were more on the radio in those days than they were on TV. And, and I was a huge Dave, Dave Van Horn guy for, for a long time as well. And, you know, certain play-by-play guys. So uh, you said that you weren't uh, the greatest athlete, I believe. Um, <laughs> you remember did that, you, did eh? you play? Hold on, did you play any sports, whether it was in high school or university? I played, uh, I played a lot of minor hockey growing up. I played about 10 years of minor hockey. Um, and played up until I guess I was probably about 14 or 15 and then felt, okay, I guess it's time to get a part-time job. This probably isn't going much further. Um, so I, I played a lot of minor hockey and played a few years of soccer as well. Um, and, and that was, that was the sort of thing. I played a lot of pickup basketball, never played really organized, but man, I love playing basketball with my buddies uh, along the way. So that was, uh, that was always kind of fun. Yeah, that's good. I, I bet you, I bet you have a lot of breaking rights with your buddies when you play pickup. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I, I don't know what sort of bragging rights I would have. I mean, nowadays, I guess, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, when I was younger, I mean, I was, it's funny. I mean, I, I think I could, I think I was quick enough or I, I could skate. Okay. I had hands of stone, hands of stone playing, playing hockey. So absolutely zero hands. I would be, if I was playing in any sort of, I would probably be a grinder. I would definitely be an energy line guy bottom six forward for sure i could skate but i definitely uh you know not a lot of finish uh you started your journey as being a broadcaster at tsn Uh, what was that process like well i started at the score before i started at tsn um and and it worked i'd work in radio at first for a few years in ottawa where i kind of broke into the business and i had grown up there uh, and then, you know, worked at the score for almost eight years and had a, a tremendous experience. I mean, we really got, we were all young. So many of us uh, that kind of started around the same time, you know, Sid Sixero, Elliot Friedman, Tim McAuliffe, uh, you know, Martin Geyer, you know, the, the cabbie. I mean, the list goes on and on with so many of us uh, along the way. And to see so many talents that are like are still thriving uh, all these years later, Anthony Shoshone was the guy who really kind of hired a lot of us and, and gave us our opportunity. And, you know, clearly a good eye for talent for Anthony and, you know, Patricia Bowl, I think was the scores Ottawa Bureau, uh, you know, in, in kind of the early mid two thousands. And, you know, I think she's, you know, um, one of the anchors and, you know, CTV news now in, in Ottawa as well. So like pretty cool to see all these people doing so well, but, you know, when I made the jump to TSN, that was, you know, you know, in a lot of ways, that was, 
that was big. Uh, it was really emotional for me to leave the score at the time, but it was that, that opportunity to go to TSN that, you know, part of you're always kind of biting this uphill battle, trying to, you know, to, to get that street cred and get recognized and, you know, to try to get that opportunity and then to, you know, to go to TSN and kind of, have, it's like a dream come true. I mean, that was kind of, you know, in a lot of ways, one of the pinnacles, I mean, the top sports network in the country at the time. And, um, you know, to be involved with, you know, sports center and, you know, just the, the immediate street cred that I noticed right away, like how many people all of a sudden that remembered you, you know, the score, you, you got street cred, you got a lot of respect from your colleagues in the media. Um, but man, your profile and your visibility just went up tenfold uh, going to TSN. And, you know, I was lucky enough to cover the world juniors and kind of be that reporter for, for several years. That was a lot of fun. And, you know, the experiences, whether it was covering the winter Olympics, um, you know, for TSN and, and part of that CTV Rogers consortium back in 10 years ago, and all the all the benefits that that came with it, you know, the yeah, live event reporting for for the NHL or you know covering playoff series for TSN, um, you know covering the you know play you know the CFL and sidelines, uh, you know live events and how many opportunities to do a lot of those, you know traveling around. I mean, my goodness, covering the the first ever NHL game in Europe in two thousand seven. And being flown over to kind of hang out in London for a week and then go cover Raptors camp a week later in Venice, Italy. And, you know, that was cool. I, I traveled the world working at TSN. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, uh, they gave me opportunities and, and had an ex experience. It was tremendous. I, I really, really enjoyed uh, the adventure. You worked hard. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, there were a lot of days on the road and, you know, a lot of time at airports and traveling around. But it was it was a great experience there. and. Um, and had the opportunity to go to Sportsnet uh, in 2013. So then you you said that you worked uh, <clears throat> during the Olympics. What where were you during the Golden Goal that everyone knows? <laughs> I was stuck on a plane waiting for takeoff. It was uh, my assignment in those days. Uh, my assignment for the Olympic Games was long track speed skating, and so I was uh, I was in Richmond. Uh, so just south of Vancouver and there was a beautiful Olympic oval that had just been built and covering, uh, you know, speed skating at that time. And the event finished a day before the Olympics wrapped up. And I hadn't really paid much attention at the time of the schedule when it was being made up months before. And they said, Hey, listen, uh, we need somebody to kind of hold the fort for that's hockey and fill in for Gino Retta on the Monday uh, when the games wrap up, are you okay to come back a day early to kind of take care of that? Yeah, sure. No problem. Whatever. You know, I figured out ah, it's been a month that I've been on the road. I'll be welcome to, you know, I'll, I'll probably have had my good time working and, and partying and visiting friends from Vancouver. So I'm ready to get back home to Toronto and go from there. And the game started, I think it was around a noon puck drop in the, uh, in Vancouver on the West coast. And I was, uh, <laughs> I, I was like, oh, man, I got to go to the airport here. And so I watched most of the game in the airport and the, and, uh, or in the, you know, kind of in the, in the terminals. And, and then all of a sudden the U.S. tied it late and then I had to get on the plane. And it was like going into overtime. I'm like, holy crap, like, how am I going to miss this? 
and I, you know, they were just like, this is your last chance to get on the pl to plane and it's going to leave. And honestly, let me tell you, if you've ever tried to get out of a, a city after a big sporting event, oh, and I'm not even talking Olympics, it's hard. Like it it's is, a pain yeah. in the ass, man. And so it was like, okay, this, there's no other flights available. I got to get on this and that's my cue. And so it was like, this is insane. How can like the biggest moment in like Canadian sports history. And I got to like, I'm going to miss this, you know, yeah. and I, I picked up the phone and I called my parents and I said, put the phone to the TV right now. <laughs> you know, you go, you go with what you know, right? You yeah, call exactly. mom and dad, you call mom and dad, like, you know, working in this business and it's like, mom, dad, uh, put the phone to the TV. I need to listen to this, um, and kind of explain the situation. And I just listened and then literally like, I think three minutes or so from the time they put their, the, the phone and then, you know, boom, I, next thing they were screaming. I couldn't even hear the call. They were like, ah! <laughs> they kind of picked up the phone. Like, Can I like, ah, you know, I figured that out, you know, Crosby. Uh, I hung up the phone and uh, just said, uh, hey, Crosby scored. And then uh, quickly, um, they quickly turned around and, uh, you know, put us, uh, you know, connected the phone and, uh, or uh, it just said, you know, the pilot came on and said, uh, all right, Canada scored. And, and uh, boom, we fired up uh, the plane and, and spent the next five hours in the air flying back to uh, Ontario, which was, and, and just this quiet, muted, zero celebration to where like the entire country was in this euphoric celebration Yeah. that, uh, you know, and everybody just kind of, oh, hey, Canada scored. All right. You know, and, and then it was quiet. So where was I? The worst place possible, yeah. not in front of a television. That must have, you must have had a gut feeling though. Like you, so you board the plane when USA ties it and you know why and the planes don't have good Wi-Fi. So, <laughs> well, I'll think, I'll tell you, this is also 10 years ago, right? Exactly. So yeah. Like so we don't have the technology that we yeah. do have 10 years today. No. And a 10 years ago, isn't even that long ago when you think about it, but like, you know, even like video streaming on your, on your smartphone now for that matter. Right. You didn't really even have that. So no. I think I was still a BlackBerry guy at the time. So video at the best of times was Grania with respect to that, or even getting, you know, videos or GIFs on, on, on Twitter to that point. Like it was, it was still early days. Mm -hmm. uh, you said that you left uh, TSN to, uh, you know, go to Sportsnet. Uh, what was, how big was that for you and your family? Oh, it was, it was huge, uh, you know, to, to, for one, leaving TSN, which was a great company for me and treated me very well. Um, and it was a move across the country. So I had spent some time here living in Vancouver uh, in the early 2000s, and it was an opportunity to come back. And so um, it, was a, it was a massive move uh, at the time to kind of leave TSN and then come over to Sportsnet and and then just how the business changed in so many ways at the time too, where it, uh, you know, all of a sudden, uh, you know, the hockey deal went down not long after I got started. So all of a sudden Rogers got the rights for, for that. And then they changed kind of the approach from a regionalism standpoint to more of a national focus. So there was, there was some major changes that were made. Uh, yeah. And it was like per, both personally and professionally, it was a massive change. With the changes, did that open up more opportunity for you to take? You know, it was it was probably a mixed bag. I think there was initial thought that it would probably prevent uh, present more opportunity, and um, yeah, I, I think it was probably. I think depending on how you look at it, I think for me, 
I, uh, you know, I was doing a show locally uh, every night from a highlight standpoint, five days a week. I think um, I'd be lying if, if I didn't think I felt like I wanted to be involved into the hockey uh, package and having my experience with the NHL and TSN. Uh, I would have liked to have been involved with that. But, you know, I also understood, you know, when I made that move to Vancouver, oftentimes, you know, uh, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Ottawa, Montreal, Winnipeg, uh, a lot of those cities are all kind of more bureau cities in this country where you kind of set up your, your hub, your hub city is Toronto in the sense that, you know, that's where the broadcasters are. Um, that's where everybody is. Um, and so in that sense, um, you know, when you're going through all that, I, I think it was just more, you know, I kind of conceded when I made that move from Toronto to Vancouver, I kind of conceded, yeah, I'm going to probably give up some opportunities here, but this is, uh, you know, also lifestyle as well. So I think I was fine with that, but you know, probably selfishly it's like, Oh, you kind of want to be where the action is, uh, you know, mm-hmm. at, at that stage. But, um, you know, but it's funny how, you know, here we are now with opportunities that present itself with the, the opportunities that presented itself from an NHL 20 standpoint. I don't think I would have had that opportunity had I lived in Toronto. Yeah, uh, I don't think I would have had that opportunity presented to me there had I not. So. Yeah, because the EA Sports. Sorry, the EA Sports offices are located in Vancouver. So, with you moving to Vancouver, that presented you the opportunity to record with them. Um, yeah, it did. It did. It uh, it totally presented the opportunity. So, uh, and that was you know they were looking for a new play-by-play guy going back a couple of years ago or a new broadcast team, and so um, you know I I lucked into getting an audition and. Uh, and so from that, I, you know, took advantage of the opportunity and, um, yeah, I was able to, you know, get an audition and I guess I fooled somebody into thinking they liked what I did. And, <laughs> and so then, you know, got a call back, uh, you know, about six weeks after that. And it was like, oh, okay, this is, this kind of worked out and, and it just kind of went from there. Uh, did you ever get nervous while recording with uh, EA Sports that you were going to have a hiccup here or there? Sure. I think it's human nature to be nervous, uh, you know, every once in a while. Um, you know, I think you, you run around and, uh, you, you chase what, uh, you know, you want to be great and you want to, you know, going in for the, the audition. I was certainly nervous the first time. And then the, the next day, the next time I went in, I was, yeah, you then, cause then you all of a sudden get to a point where, okay, I want this. Like, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You want to win. Right. And I, I don't know if anybody goes into a, into an event or a competition or anything, uh, you know, without wanting to win. So I guess from that sort of mindset, I, I was hopeful and uh, I think they liked my approach and, and it seemed to translate well. And so I guess I finally got my dream of calling a, a game seven in the Stanley cup, just not the way you conventionally yeah, exactly. dream of it. Right. It's uh, it's game seven in uh, who's ever living room or, uh, or, or man cave or, woman cave for that matter uh, or they're they're playing yeah exactly um so you said you lived in vancouver in the early 2000s um did you ever i know this wasn't early 2000s but did you ever experience the uh riots that took place after boston beat vancouver you know what no i i you know what i was i was working back in toronto at the time in uh in 2011 i had just launched we had 
I was working for TSN uh, and we had just launched TSN radio. So I was hosting a drive time show at the time. And my youngest daughter was born, I think the night of game three at the Stanley cup final. So uh, I was kind of off uh, for about a, I took about a week or a week and a half off to just kind of hang at home. And so I kind of just watched the, the cup as a fan. And then when game seven played out uh, the way it did, and then to see that unfold, you, you know, you kind of started seeing on social media, like, yeah, Oh my gosh, crazy. I just saw somebody fall and somebody's getting hurt and people are acting like jerks all of a sudden out here. This is kind of crazy. And then the kind of, you know, some of the news channels were starting to take that stuff live and it was just like, wow, this is, this is terrible. And yeah, you kind of like watch for saying, an hour you know, so. Cars on fire, buildings on fire, raiding. It was insane. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was unfortunate. And you know what? I think a lot of people were punished and, and idiots that, you know, bad apples that kind of spoiled it for a lot of people. But it was sad. And I think if you talk to people that were here at the time in the moment, they would tell you that, uh, you know, those weren't Canucks fans. Those were people that were there to cause trouble. And you can kind of, and I think people that were there in the city that particular night said that, you know, they could sense that. Yeah, for sure. Um, you also worked with uh, Snoop Dogg in NHL 20. What was that experience like? It was fun. It was fun. It was, uh, he was everything you would expect or hope for him to be. So uh, the D-O-double-G is a big sports fan, uh, loves his basketball. And it was right, you know, kind of smack dab in the middle of the NBA finals. So it was Raptors, Warriors. So we kind of had some friendly banter as I was more team raps. And oh, yeah, for he sure. was more uh, repping Cali love. So uh, he was pulling for Golden State. Uh, but we had a good discussion, a good debate. Uh, he's a diehard Laker fan. And, you know, I was, uh, as a kid, I was a big Laker fan uh, with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and mm -hmm. Magic Johnson and, um, you know, so we kind of had that mutual bond over Snoop and I, and yeah, we had some good laughs because, you know, he's not that much older than I am. And so to, you know, we kind of had a similar generational, uh, upbringing in the sense that, you know, just in terms of the same likes in terms of, uh, from pop culture stuff. Right. And so it was good. It was, uh, we, we had a lot of fun. I definitely had some great laughs and some awesome memories and he was easy to work with. Like he That's was good. He was the, one of the coolest things I can say about Snoop Dogg was when he first sat down the first day, he, uh, he kind of looked at the two producers I was with, uh, uh, David Pritchett and Sean Ram Jagsing and, and uh, Timothy Mellenbacher was our other producer who was with us as well. And he kind of just looked at, uh, you know, the group of us and just said, listen, guys, I am not above being told what to do. So, you know, if, if you need something you know, better or you need something from me, like, let me know. Like, you know, and I think he recognized that like, Hey, the better he looks, the better the game looks, the better the game looks, the better. Yeah, he that's looks. true. So, Good press. You know, it was, but you know, he came in very modest and very humble. I think that was, that was something that really stood out for me just right out of the get go that, you know, here's a guy who's worth a lot of money. You know, oh yeah, for sure. Insanely successful. You know, I mean, you're talking about one of the, you know, there's a, you know, when you talk about a name that you can pretty much go in most walks of life and say, do you know Snoop Dogg? Yeah, I know Snoop Dogg. Like <laughs> you think about that, like you walk around, you go around town. If you ask the, you know, the average person, they probably know who Snoop Dogg is. Right. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, to kind of go there and for him to be as easy and affable as he was, you know, I, uh, I, I enjoyed it. And his, and his compound, his recording studio, uh, his facility was very impressive. 
Well, that's good. Like, you know, he, so you put in a lot of work and effort, which it did pay off because you started slow, then you got bigger. It, it, that's how I, that's how I'm taking this. Uh, yeah. I, with, with Snoop or? Well, just in general, you know? Yeah. I, it's, uh, it's been fun. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, Snoop was a fun experience and, uh, you know, the game's been a cool experience and, and I would say professionally, like I've been, you know, it's been a lot of work but it's been a lot of fun and there's been some real cool perks in, in life uh, to experience some, some really awesome things. You know, the, the 2010 Olympics was probably the highlight of my experience professionally uh, to have that three week run where, Oh man, like we, like we as media members were treated like rock stars. Like I bet you were. were. Oh, I mean, but like just the energy and the vibe, like as, you're touching on the riots earlier and uh in vancouver in 2011 but man like everything that 2011 wasn't like 2010 was it was beautiful it was you know if you've ever been to ottawa on canada day on july 1st that was what 2010 was every day for three weeks just a sea of passionate canadians um and just a big love in it just a good time and it was uh, it was a tremendous experience and that's honestly like, i've been lucky enough to, to experience a, a more than a cool a few cool championship experiences you know at the score working uh, i got to cover the nba finals in 2005 between the spurs and the pistons and you know, not necessarily a sexy matchup from a TV standpoint, right? It's not the Lakers, yeah, it's not, exactly. you know, LeBron, but man, like, but, you know, the Spurs, one of the great dynasties and, you know, the last, you know, 50 years, maybe in the history of the game, you know, with Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker and, and Robert Ory, who was such a big part of that series and, you know, big shot Bob and, you know, the, the, the bad boys version 2.0, um, you know, in the, in the mid two thousands with, you know, Tayshawn Prince and Rasheed Wallace and big Ben Wallace and, you know, uh, Mr. Big Shot, uh, Chauncey Billups. I mean, that was, that was so much fun. And Antonio McDice, like, you know, so many big, you know, great stars going head to head in a seven game series. That was fun. You know, you know, covering six world juniors, you know, Sidney Crosby's first as a, as a 15 or 16 year old, and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to cover the, the series, you know, the world juniors and the, the year of the lockout with the stack team, probably the greatest junior team in the history of the, the tournament, you know, where Canada just ran rough shot, but you had, you know, Sidney Crosby playing on the line with Patrice Bergeron and Corey Perry. There was, yeah, exactly. That was your second line, you know, your first line, you had Jeff Carter uh, playing with Ryan Getzlaff and Andrew Ladd, like, you know, just, just an insane amount of talent. Mike Richards was a big part of that team who was so good, you know, won a couple Stanley cups with the LA Kings, um, you know, went to the finals with the, the Philadelphia Flyers as well. You know, there was an, so many good players, uh, you know, Brent Burns, uh, actually he might've been the year before, but uh, Dion Phaneuf, Shea Weber, uh, you know, just the list goes on and on. Uh, with, with the talent on that team, uh, such a good, uh, such a good experience. Alex Ovechkin in the gold medal final in that tournament. Um, just to see that, you know, to cover three Olympics, uh, you know, the 2006 in Turin, uh, 2004 in Athens, 
you know, the, the gray cups to, to cover so many of those over the years have been always fun as a kid who was a big CFL fan and, and, you know, still got a lot of love for the Canadian football league. Yeah. It's been, it's been a cool journey to kind of see certain things along the way. UFC, some cool UFC moments, uh, covered a few WrestleManias. So, you know, it, it, it's been working for a living. That's for sure. That's good. And for our final question I have for you today, uh, do you have any advice for aspiring journalists? You know, um, is there anything specific? I would say, you know what, say, you know, follow your dream, you know, be adaptable, um, you know, be hungry and don't be afraid to take chances. Don't be afraid to fail. You know, it's okay because we'll all fail at some point in time. And I know I did and I have, and I will continue to fail, but don't be afraid to take a chance and, you know, get back up there. Uh, you know, one of the first things I would always do, when I was so like, you know, I have such a shy side to me when I, especially when I was younger and you kind of slowly learn to overcome that. But even to this day, I still know that there's an element of shyness in it because it's kind of who I am. You get nervous energy. And, um, but I would, I would find that I would try to make a point going into these big media scrums or go to a news conference. I always tried to make a point of asking a question. I just felt like I needed to ask a question and my heart would pound, you know, even, you know, and I remember thinking like, man, there's probably some questions that probably seem really stupid, but I just felt that I needed to get a question out. And uh, along the way, just, slowly mustered up that that confidence you know and and that was something like even something as simple as that you know even you know every once in a while you get some that's a stupid question it's like oh you know and get a you know and you're internally you're just like oh my god that's so embarrassing but you also kind of think to yourself well you know this is this is something that i think i can you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to try to do. And, you know, if somebody doesn't like the question, okay, I take my kick in the butt and, you know, I'll go back and do it again because Let that's what learn. I got to do. Yeah. And that's it. You, you learn from your experiences, you know, get your reps. You know, that's another thing. If you're, if you want to be on air, you know, you got to find a way to polish your craft and you got to get reps and not everybody's going to want to put you on the air when you first get hired. Now, the advantage for this now is here we are talking, you know, on a video conference chat and going back and forth. Now you can record yourself. You didn't have that opportunity. I mean, I could tape myself on a tape recorder when I was younger, but that was, you know, unless you had a broadcast studio to really do something, it was hard to, to do that. So mm -hmm. now you can kind of record yourself in a, you know, whether your own home podcast system and it's not that expensive or you know, if you have a smartphone and you, you can go back and forth with this. So I think that makes a big difference nowadays, but take a chance. Like, don't be afraid to, you know, take a chance and, and get your reps. That's what I would say. Awesome. Well, I'd like to thank James Cybulski, who is the, again, 20, uh, 20 play by play for coming on today's podcast. Do you play? I do play. Yes. I play a, a bunch of times with my friends. Are you on Xbox or PS4 or what? PS4. All right. Seaball 604. We'll You're going down. You're going down. You're getting creep. Oh, it's on like Donkey Kong, buddy. All right. Awesome. Thank you for coming on. All right, Michael. Be good, man.